the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to us in order to give us a life that's truly a sweet thing. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I listened to Merriam-Webster's Word of the Day podcast, and um, uh, recently, uh, yeah, I am that much of a dork, um, it recently, it, it, it's come up, uh, the, the word hoodwink came up in um, that podcast, and, and as I was listening to it and, and listening, the, the fun thing about that podcast is not actually hearing the words and learning the words, that, who wants to do that, what is really interesting about it is hearing the, the background behind the word. And uh, the word hoodwink, uh, you, you probably know what that means sort of internally. You mean it, you know that it means to, it, to be tricked or something. Um, but to be hoodwinked actually meant that, that somebody was kind of putting the wool over your eyes. That's another way to put it, that um, uh, that your your hood was, was sort of your eyelid. Um, and, and that if you were hoodwinked, somebody was closing your eyes for you. And, so, and that way they, they couldn't, you couldn't see what was happening. You couldn't see what was right or what was wrong. And that's really what's happening here in the, the book of Isaiah, uh, or book of Jeremiah, rather. And, um, and it happened to me this week. Or at least it almost happened to me this week. And earlier on this week, uh, Liz and I were out walking the dogs. We're, we're taking care of uh, my, my um, in-laws' dogs as well. And we were out walking the dogs, and uh, that's a fairly normal thing for us, and, and out walking the dogs. And there was this guy who was coming up behind us, and because we don't um, uh, really want to scare anybody, a lot of times when we see that, we'll just kind of duck into somebody's driveway and let them go on so that the dogs don't kind of turn around and growl or, or anything like that that. So we're there nicely, uh, patiently waiting for uh, this gentleman to go by, and he goes by and, and everything is pretty normal until uh, he, he gets past us and he sort of stops as if he's thinking. And he turns around and he, he asks us this question. Uh, he, he says, do you all know where Monticello, uh, Monticello, Florida is? And I was like, oh, geography quiz on the street. Awesome. <laughs> Yes, I do. I know where Monticello, Florida is. Um, it's, it's a bit of a ways from here. And, um, and then he goes into this story about how he's going to Monticello, Florida from Dothan, Alabama, and how his car is um, up on Monroe Street, and he needs a fan belt. And I, I, my, all, all of the alarm bells start going off in my head, and I'm like, okay, uh-huh, yeah. Um, and, and so I'm listening to his story, and he, he needs a fan belt. He, he's gone around. He's, he's trying to find somebody that can help him get a fan belt. And um, he, he even has this um, uh, thing down so well that I'm like, well, uh, AutoZone probably has a fan belt. And he was like, oh, no, they're, they're asking a lot for it. You actually, the cheapest one is at the Advanced Auto Parts. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, and so we're, we're talking about this, and he says he really needs this fan belt, and so I and, and he really wants the money in order to buy this fan belt. And I, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, 
I don't have my wallet on me, um, but you stay here, and I will come back around with the car, and I'll take you over to Advance Auto Part, and I'll buy you the fan belt. Um, and uh, so uh, he agrees to that, and I kind of go, wow, um, uh, because that's not what I was expecting. And uh, so we, we walk the dogs home, and it's only about a five-minute walk, and I jump in the car, and I'm, I head back to the place where I told him to meet me, and he's not there. Because he didn't really want a fan belt. He wanted the money that somehow corresponded with fan belt. And then later on that day, uh, or not later on that day, but later on that week, Liz and I were, were driving around again in Tallahassee, and we saw a fan belt guy. <laughs> And I really thought about stopping and rolling down the window and being like, are you still looking for that fan belt? <laughs> well, well, that's what it means to be hoodwinked. Uh, that's what it means to be, to be conned. Well, that's what it means to be uh, taken advantage by somebody. And normally, the way that that goes, normally what people are doing, the, the most effective way for us to do that to another human being is to mess with people's hopes and to work on their hopes, and to work on what they hope about humanity, or, or what they hope might be the case. And that's certainly what's going on here in the book of Jeremiah. What's happening here in the book of Jeremiah is that God has told the people of Judah, bad things are coming, because you have left my word. You haven't listened to what I've had to tell you, and bad stuff is on the way. In fact, the bad stuff that is on the way is that the Babylonians are going to come into Judah and they're going to take over and they're going to take all of their people into exile for about 70 years, which is about a lifetime, especially in those ages. And that whole generation of people will never be able to come back to Judah. And that's the bad stuff that God is telling the people of Israel, this is on the way, you better get ready for it, here it comes. And then there's these false prophets. And the false prophets in Jeremiah's time are saying, no, don't worry about it, everything's okay, we're going to be good, the Babylonians, ah, they're not going to mess with us, it's going to be alright, don't worry about a thing. And this gets God kind of incensed all over again. Because he says, first of all, you weren't listening to my word, and because of that I had to discipline you. I had to, I'm, I'm going to be sending in these Babylonians, and I was just going to give you a warning so that you knew what to do when you got to Babylon, so that you could live a peaceful life while you were in exile up there in Babylon, and you won't even listen to that. And he tells the people of Israel how angry... He is over their sin, over their failure to hear, because they want to hope in some sort of magical reality where everything is okay all of the time, and that our sins don't really matter. And throughout all of the readings today, you sort of get this sense of, of how much those sins actually anger God. In that gospel reading that Jesus is getting really angry 
at the fact that he has a baptism in which to be baptized with it. He's already been baptized at this point in the gospel. What he means is that he has to go to the cross. And how he wished that it was already being done. Because that's going to set people at odds. It's going to separate people into two different camps. And those two different camps, uh, quite frankly, are the two different camps of people that believe that they're sinners and the people that are lying to themselves. The people that acknowledge the fact that they have sinned and that they need a Savior and the people that refuse to acknowledge it and say, I'm just going to do the best with what I've got and that'll be good enough for God. The unfortunate message there is that what you've got isn't good enough for God. And the way that I always love to talk about this, and I I talked about it earlier this week, is in terms of Jeffrey Dahmer. Everybody remember Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer, serial killer guy, um, had sex with and then ate his victims. Um, Pretty much, probably one of the most horrific things that one human being can do to another human being. Are we all in agreement with that? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, So that's what Jeffrey Dahmer did. Jeffrey Dahmer, he goes to prison. While he's in prison, he converts to Christianity. While he's in prison, he converts to Christianity. And while he's there, then just a few days later, after he, he makes the good confession of faith, he gets killed by another inmate. And then you've got your Aunt Rose. Nice lady. Doesn't like going to church. Doesn't really believe in this spooky Jesus guy that you're talking about all the time. Which one gets to be in the resurrection? Jeffrey Dahmer. And for a lot of us, that's a shocking, horrific thing. In fact, a lot of times when I, when I bring that up, I use this example all of the times, when I bring that up, people are just aghast. And they're like, I can't believe that I would be in the same resurrection as Jeffrey Dahmer. And if you start believing that too much, what the book of Jeremiah has to tell us, and what the entire Bible has to tell us, is that if you start believing that you don't want to be in the same resurrection as Jeffrey Dahmer, well, if you take that too far, maybe you won't be. Because it's not about what you do. It's about what you believe. It's about what you hope in. And if you're putting your hope in that you're a pretty nice guy or you're a pretty nice gal and that Jesus, well, he likes you because of your face. You're putting your hope in the wrong thing. And our culture has just example after example after example of the wrong thing that you can put your hope in. 
whether that be your looks or whether that be how much money you make or whether that be how many people like you or what kind of impact you leave on this world. We can begin to put our hope in those things. But eventually, as Christians, we have to say, that's a worthless hope. And the only thing that's worth putting my hope in is this Lord who saves a guy who has sex with and then eats his victims. Because he loves humanity just that much. That he put together a system so that it wasn't about what you did because we're all going to fail. We're all going to fall down. We're all going to put our hope in the wrong thing. We're all end up going to be hoodwinked in one way or another. He knew our weaknesses. And he said, the one thing that you can be sure of is that I love you. And I'm going to show you that by dying on a cross for you. And that's what you can put your hope in. And sure, that might be a different hope than the people around you, but that's what you can put your hope in. That's where your sure hope is found. That's where real, reliable hope is found is in Him and His cross. Amen.